My family raised me in close company with the idea of spirits. Being Asian American, the afterlife manifested itself in our house within tiny wooden shrines lit with incense, rather than the idea of gravestones and cemeteries. This gave me a very nonchalant view of ghosts. When asked by my aunts if I really believed, I would shrug. I knew that in part my family's belief is born from their cultural traditions before they immigrated, so who am I to deny how much it means to them? Besides, most of their ghostly influence was expected to bring luck to the family, so it wasn't like they were haunting my doorways at night. My dad, the one who married into the family, shared the same view. He had been raised in Chicago after immigrating over at a young age himself, so he had a much more American-style childhood like mine. We joked with each other as my mom and aunts met with spirit mediums, but agreed that since it brought them peace of mind, there wasn't any harm in it. I didn't think I would be wishing for peace of mind so badly when he unexpectedly died during my last semester in college. It was like a rug had been pulled out from under me and my family. The day after he passed, my mom went with my aunts to begin funeral preparations. I chose not to go and laid there on the couch, numb. The house was quiet, as my brother had also elected to go out with his friends to get away from it all. He and my mom were the ones living at home with my dad while I was away. In the dim light, the house felt too big, too empty. All of my memories were trying in vain to fill the hallways where I last heard his laugh, heard his voice in the office. The shock and grief were so strong that I almost didn't notice the faint sound of footsteps to my right. I turned my head as I tracked the footsteps walking past the couch and towards the front door. The sound was sharp, like someone walking in slippers on the tiled floors. The same sound my dad would make when pacing, as he often did after dinner. It was seven in the evening. I put my head back down. I was certainly imagining things, so hard that I was projecting into my surroundings. Grief was funny like that. This rationalization continued on its merry downward spiral until I heard the sound again. This time, it was as if the footsteps had turned around and were tracing back from the front door toward the living room, again passing by the couch where I lay. At this point, I almost snorted. This was the exact circuit my dad would walk around the house. Are you done yet, Dad? I said out loud. In any other situation, I would have been trying to explain it as the house creaking or the wind knocking from outside, but I was tired. Tired of the day, tired of condolences, and missing him. So tired, in fact, that I resigned to trying to sleep away my sorrow until my mom and brother got back. I grabbed a couch blanket and curled up underneath it, eyes half shut and gazing across the living room in the dim light of the lamp beside me. A minute passed, and then suddenly the lamp went out. I sat up and stared at it. The lamp had no self-timer, and a quick glance at the power strip told me that the electricity hadn't gone out. It was almost as if someone, my dad, had turned off the light so that I could sleep. I could only sit and cry with an unexplainable feeling in my chest until I slipped into a restless slumber. I never heard the footsteps after that. The idea of my dad, who was a mild skeptic when it came to ghosts, lingering to haunt me for a little while was both hilarious and comforting. I don't think I'll ever be afraid of ghosts or have concrete words about what exactly their existence is. 
I just have that brief moment of an encounter and what little peace of mind came with it. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. Oh, I don't have an adjective today. I am an adjectiveless Michael Tatum. I like it. I like it. I wonder how long you're going to keep that up. I think I want to stop. <laughs> I think I, I think you today's wanna, the day I, today's the I decide day. to just be like, you know what? Remember the early days when I used to always give myself an adjective? I don't think I want to do that anymore. I think I, I think it ends today. Today is the end of an era. No more adjectives. No more adjectives. All right. I mean, I'll use adjectives, just not in conjunction with my name. With introductions. Yeah. All right. Now they'll come easily. Right. Now because you'll I'm be like. Because I won't pressure myself to do it. I know. It'll be super easy. <laughs> right. All right. right. I'm okay with it. I hope everybody else is okay with it. I'm all right with it. That's a lot. You've done 27 now. 27. And you've helped me with like a couple of them. I have. But yeah. for the most part, 27 adjectives. I got to come up with this a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Especially I when I don't ever give it any thought until I'm sitting here in front of the mic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Zero preparation. There's no prep. I'm like, why, did I, why did I put that pressure on myself? <laughs> I'll tell you guys, this is true. Like we do a lot of the research and stuff and we're ready with research. Mm-hmm. But then when we get in front of the mic, it's like, wait a minute. What's the what name? What are we supposed to say? What, what are we calling this? What are we calling oh, the show? Oh, What's shit. I forgot today? a quote. Hold oh, on fuck, a second. Yeah, we get so deep into our research that we actually forget about little things like, what episode number is this? Right. What do we call it? What's the title going to be? What t- what day of the week is it? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how long we have titles and quotes after this. It's just going to be... It's going to be like, uh, today's episode. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. And this... Oh, and this is School Intentions. <laughs> We're going to do that every time. We're going to forget. I do love that. That's very natural that we just, we talk and we go, oh yeah, that, that, that's right. That's that, gives, ex- that immediately gives listeners a taste of who we are as people. Right. Now you know what to expect. Yes. Not a lot. We will get to the point. We just take the scenic route. That's right. It's that's true. Right. Yeah. It's true. Uh, so that was Mary. Yes. Thank you, that Mary, story. for that Such a very good story. touching. Yeah. Very so touching sweet. Submission. I love it. We've had several sweet things recently and, um, and so I love that sitting it in and, and it goes along with we've had a lot of footstep stuff mm-hmm. recently. So kind of goes along with it's that. important to remember that not all ghost stories have to be terrifying. Right. They, they can, can be, be comforting. They can they can be closure. You know, they can they can yeah. represent closure or they can represent, you know, just something interesting and quirky. They can even be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to think of them as terrifying, but I don't think they have to be. In fact, I'm not usually frightened by ghosts no. at all. I'm just fascinated by them and yeah. sometimes very touched. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Literally. Sometimes literally touched. That tends to be terrifying. It's And it's after the fact, normally. It's after the fact that you're terrified of it. Mm -hmm. Ooh, so... Speaking of after the fact, what are we calling today's episode? Oh, it is called... Wait, you know it. Uh, It's calling... uh, uh, (laughs) We did have it. (laughs) uh, Several lifetimes old. Many lifetimes old. Is that what it is? I feel like that's not (laughs) right. No, no, it's like... A few lifetimes old. (laughs) It's a few lifetimes old. See, adjectives are hard. They are. <laughs> they are. A few lifetimes old, which comes from Katie Lang. Yes. Um, a quote, right? Uh, yeah, it's a quote from Katie Lang. And, and talking about her voice, she says specifically she believes in reincarnation because she feels like her voice is a few lifetimes old. Right. I would say it. that's accurate, too. Yeah. Like thinking of Katie Lang. Definitely. Yeah, she's. That's a, that's a voice with some. That's a voice with more experience than I think can be had in a single lifetime standard lifetime yeah that's yeah. awesome 
Which, and that brings us to what I'm talking about today. Yeah, I can't wait. Okay, so, and this is from my mom. My mom messaged me about this, and she was watching something about uh, reincarnation and Uh children who've had experiences. And I fucking love children who have, like, these reincarnated experiences. Children with ghost stories, children with reincarnation Mm -hmm. experiences. Mm -hmm. I cannot get enough of it. I love it. Same. Yeah. And so... One of the things that hit me for, I mean, I've, it's, I, I can't, I don't know where I heard it. I don't know where I read it, where it came from, but it has impacted me when I think of um, any kind of reincarnation, like mm-hmm. things that you have to think about, like the kind of trauma and this uh, person, kid, I can't remember, but their memory when they did the past life regression was that they were a child and they were stuck in this room and they couldn't get out. And it was like, I think they had to look out of a window and maybe it was in a basement, fuck a basement. And (laughs) they could kind of see people walking by, but they were stuck in this room and it took some time before they realized that this past life experience Uh that was traumatizing them was actually their experience as a ghost from a past life. Oh, and that it wasn't so that a past afterlife, a past afterlife Whoa. where they were trapped, Inception. left and traumatized. And I think they had uh, problems with small spaces and claustrophobia and feeling huh. trapped. Huh. And so uh, it was realizing that it was the ghost form and the trauma from being that child who didn't know why they couldn't get out. Yeah. And they, of course, it took some time because they didn't know that they were wow. a ghost in this memory, you know, so that has always just really stuck with me have you ever had before you dive in have you ever had an experience of being somewhere and like because we've all had experiences of deja vu mm-hmm. but have you ever had experience of deja vu where you're like i this feels deeper like you know what i'm talking about right. like you have a reaction i've been here before been here before or it's it's it may not even be that definite it's just something of like something about this place or this time or this being here is is hitting me in a way that i don't understand why there have been places i've been that i felt like it was home before uh, yeah I've got but more than anything for me uh and being a child of the 90s chokers were all the rage oh yeah i can't wear chokers mm. i can't wear anything close to my neck it makes me feel like i'm being strangled Ooh. and it is a very powerful sense like i it i feel like i'm, I'm i can't breathe when i'm wearing anything close to my neck if it's longer it's okay but okay, any yeah. any kind of choker type thing, it makes me feel like. Do you know, I have the same. Really? I have the same thing. I do. I've always had an issue with the idea of choking. Mm-hmm. Now, I, in my case, I think it comes from the fact that when I was really little, I, I choked on a piece of candy and, and my mom had to do like a really weird version of the Heimlich where she just like <laughs> held me upside down and like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like she was like, she a, shook you. Yeah, shook me. Like she was trying like, she's like some kind of like bad guy, like cartoon mugger who was just trying to like get change out of my pockets. And like, yeah, and it, it, it got it out, but she dropped me and it broke my nose. Yeah. And, right. and ever since then, I've been really like terrified like i eat really slowly mm-hmm. uh, he like, does it's, it's true ridiculous. He's and, it's, it's, and it's become kind of my thing because yeah. i'm terrified of choking mine isn't choking on food that. it's having it, something on yeah. my neck but it doesn't and it doesn't come from anything you're aware no. of of happening uh-uh. no mm-hmm. nothing and the other thing too is that i cannot handle watching people be close to the edge of things like edge of cliffs edge of bridges i can do it myself and i'm fine Hmm. but if i'm watching someone else that i care about and they're standing at the edge of the cliff i get an anxiety that is unnatural and like panicky 
Wow. Yeah. You should delve into that and see. No, I, I really. That's and then about. after doing like all this maybe, research, I really want to. Because I'm already like concocting a story in my head of like what happened in your past life, mm-hmm. and it's disturbing. I don't know right. what to tell you. I know. I can't wait to find out. If you're right. <laughs> we have to go. Do I'm gonna write it down and be like, I was right, yeah, or like, no, I was totally broken. I mean, I think that I probably was, you know, strangled to some point. Yeah. You know, if there, were, you know, if half life or a thing, well, but yeah, definitely. Maybe you were hung as a witch. I like to believe that. I like mean, in my heart, you would be now. That's what I Who want. you are now would have been yeah. hung as a witch. Absolutely. Like four hundred years ago, no, no doubt yeah. about it. And then, same for me too, incidentally. And then I think there's probably something else that happened where I watched someone that yeah. I care about fall from a height or something like that. Maybe. Or maybe that's it. the edge. Maybe watching someone else step off a gallows. Maybe I don't know, but it's it's actually heights. Oh, so it's, it yeah. is heights. Okay, it's heights. If there's if we're up but on a mountain, they don't bother you for yourself. No, just with someone else. It's with somebody else. Wow. I mean, it is a like you can ask ask Jean Luc. I get panicky. Wow. And he can't joke about it with me either because it's it's too it it really bothers me. Just hearing you talk, just like you talking about it right now, I can yeah. see in your eyes like it <laughs> yeah. really freaks you. I don't just like picturing it. it. Okay, I well, let's change like the subject. Happy yeah. things. Other happy things. Okay. <laughs> or so, not happy, just not things that have happened yeah, to you. Yeah, it's really intense though, and that's what it, it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Why I would feel that strongly about it. The only thing I and it's a weird thing, and I, I just thought of it. Um, when I was younger, there used to be a department store, uh, one of those weird little, it's like a craft slash department store in, in my hometown. And uh, it had been around for a long time. And we used to go there, you know, to pick up like greeting cards or, you know, glue stuff for school, school supplies. It was that kind of place. Mm-hmm. And it had a very particular smell. And I don't know what the smell was, but every time I walked in and smelled that smell, it would really bother me emotionally i didn't mm-hmm. find it wasn't an unpleasant smell it was kind of musky um it smelled like a i compared to like a vacuum cleaner bag like one of those old right uh, kind of you know woven bags with maybe like a hint of um mothballs just like yeah a, yeah a, and a it's yeah definitely yeah. that and it smelled very much like that and which i don't find to be an unpleasant smell to be honest and i mean it doesn't certainly doesn't make me rich and sometimes it's like whatever but that place that smell would freak me out it, it would almost give me vertigo mm-hmm. i don't know it's like an i i can only describe it as like an emotional vertigo where i could like feel this surge of oh in my body every time it hit my nostrils and i would forget we'd go away and i'd forget about it we'd go back to the store a couple weeks later to get something and it would always hit me again and i never figured out what it was about That's so weird yeah. stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. anyway my mom directed me to this uh woman and she has a video on youtube so i took a lot of this from that her name's carol bowman and uh she has some a website that's great it's just carolbowman.com mm. and she is uh she specialized in past life regression therapy with adults for almost 30 years she studied with many of the pioneers in the field of past life therapy has a master's degree in counseling and has regressed more than 2000 people since 1989 wow she is the author of Children's Past Lives and Return from Heaven, two books grounded in an empirical approach to reincarnation. Hmm. So according to Carol, and most of the stuff we're taking are from her, is from her research and stuff okay. like that. Uh, she says that when you're dealing with past lives, to look for the following main questions to see, is this experience, is this story a past life? One, evidence for a continuation of personal consciousness after death. So remembering things that you couldn't remember, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Two origins of personality and traits. So like if you have an obsessive thing, 
that mm-hmm. comes from nowhere. Mm-hmm. Could that be from a past life? Um, and like for me, this weird anxiety that's unexplained mm-hmm. or other traumas that people have, uh, you know, could that be from a past life? Right. And then the third thing is there's opportunity for healing the soul from the trauma or whatever it is that you experienced that's hanging around. Okay. Right. That's okay. how they do. So this all started because she, uh, in 1988, on July 4th, she was living in Asheville, North Carolina, and was at a picnic with her five-year-old son, Chase. When the fireworks started, he became terrified. And they had done, they had gone and seen fireworks before. So it wasn't anything new, but out of nowhere, this time, he had a complete breakdown, and she had to take him home to comfort him. Wow. It was really traumatic for him. Huh. She assumed it was a sugar overload or something like that. And he was just <laughs> crashing from sugar. But then a few weeks later, she took him to the public pool, an indoor pool. And the sound that the diving board makes when people jump off of it, mm-hmm. that banging thing would, yeah. you know, go around and rever- uh, reverberate. reverberate around the interior mm-hmm. of the pool area. And he had another episode. He was really scared. And he told her. That those big booming sounds, he was scared of those noises. Mm. So she was like, okay, well, at the same time, there was a hypnotherapist named Norman Ng. I think that's how you say it. He was visiting her and he was there because a few, uh, a year earlier, he had been working with her on her past life regression. Mm -hmm. She had chronic lung problems her entire life, but after working with him and remembering past lives where one, she died of consumption in the 19th century. And the second one, she said she remembers dying in a gas chamber on world war two. And, and her, her last memory was like covering her face and trying to avoid. gas. Yeah. After remembering that and dealing with it, her lungs cleared up and she had no more problems. Norman was visiting Carol because she was setting up regression appointments with some of her friends a year later. Hmm. She had such great results. I mean, yeah, I would totally fucking do that too. Absolutely. Like, hey, I want to do it. I know. Let's have a past life regression party. Okay. Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like this. I was like telling you, there's a movie called um, Defending Your Life by mm-hmm. Albert Brooks. Mm-hmm. And it's really sweet. It's, 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 it's really funny. A little comedy about like what actually happens after you die. And, um, and you're kind of like there in this like kind of limbo where they judge you to see if you're ready to move on to the next stage of existence. And if you're not, then they just send you back to do it all again. And there's a place that you could go while you're waiting to be like on trial, uh, mm-hmm. where it's like, it's like a little amusement park for adults. And there's he and Meryl Streep are like a thing. And they go into like the past lives pavilion. Mm-hmm. And it's the hologram is Shirley MacLaine and welcoming it. everyone like, yeah, yeah, just step up, put your hand on the plate and you'll see a whole array of past lives. And of course, Meryl Streep, who's perfect, and she's totally going to move on to the next stage because you can just tell she's like she's like, she was she was like Prince Valiant. She was like a firefighter. Yeah. <laughs> she was like all these like, heroic, awesome things. And Albert Brooks is kind of like he's just some like some dude <laughs> <laughs> running in the jungle and being chased by a tiger. She's like, I was Prince Valiant. What are you? He was like, lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's really funny. That's great. But, oops. Yeah. Well, and I've heard too that like what it is um is like the people who are like the meanest to you in your mm-hmm, life mm-hmm. are probably your closest friends on the other side because you've kind of worked this pact that there's certain things that you need to experience and go through to make yourself a better, stronger soul or whatever. Oh, and so you connect, you have like deals with the people you're close to, like, okay, well, in this life, I need to learn 
patience. So I need you to be a total fucking bitch to me <laughs> and be my mom. And then, you know what I mean? Like, and then, I kind of like, I do yeah, like that. So there's idea. this idea that like, that's what kind of happens yeah. over there and that it's all about learning and becoming whatever your experiences are in that life or to become stronger and better and, and all of that stuff. And, um, so, and then there is the whole, it's like a soulmate, those people that are always with you and in, in all of your lives. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to think I about. I feel that way about us. I feel like we've probably, yeah, we've probably been here before doing some right. variation on this. Yeah. Maybe that's why Freaking we got hung as witches. <laughs> we were telling ghost stories right. to all the children and they that's were like, right. uh, Jamie and Michael were witches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I was up there going, they hanged us. They did not hung us. They hanged us. Which once we're <laughs> once we're dead, if they then they can hang us for display. Yes. Right. Then we will be hung for display. But if we're living, you are See, hanged. This is the attitude. This is why I got hanged. I don't know why. I Perfect driver. She must be a witch. I just feel strongly about hanged versus hung. Um. I think that okay. tells us something. Hmm. I know, right? Okay, so Carol asked Norman to give Chase post-hypnotic suggestion to keep him calm when he heard loud noises. People don't know that, what, what that is. That's what a lot of hypnosis is for, you know, to yeah. help you come overcome fears, people who yeah. are anxious flying, or people who are diets. People do it for diets. Uh-huh, it's uh-huh, it's uh-huh. something that people do pretty regularly. It's a mind hack. It's a mind hack, basically. yeah. So she wanted this man to mind hack her son so he wouldn't be afraid of these noises. So she had uh, Chase sit on her lap, close his eyes, and tell Norman what Norman said. Tell me what you visualize when you hear these loud noises. Chase said, I'm crouching behind a rock. I'm a soldier. I have a gun. A long gun with a sword at the end. There's smoke everywhere. I don't even know who I'm shooting at. I don't want to be here. Carol was like... (laughs) What the, the fuck, fuck, Sesame Street? <laughs> what are you telling my kids? <laughs> because the letter of the day is uh... <laughs> W-T-F. Uh, so basically her kids only watched PBS and maybe they had seen some Disney movies, but it wasn't there was nothing like soldiers or wars or fighting or anything like that. Yeah. So Norman started asking open open-ended questions which is what they recommend if your child starts mm-hmm. doing the same thing if you think your child is seeing a ghost open-ended questions well so you don't unconsciously direct them right um, you know coach them into giving you an answer you want to hear exactly so norman said what happened next chase oh i'm shot in the wrist i black out norman Ooh. and then what chase they take me to a hospital, but it's not normal. It's got posts and a cover, like a tent. And I'm on a bed, but it's like a hard bench. They bandage my wrist, and they tell me I have to go back to the battle. I don't want to be there. I don't want to shoot other people. And I miss my wife and family. Aww. Norman says to him, We live many different lifetimes. It's like actors in a role. We play all these different characters in our lifetimes. Sometimes we have to be soldiers and kill other people, and sometimes we get killed. But it's okay. You're not to blame. Norman then asked Chase what happened next. Chase told him he didn't want to go back, but he walks to a wagon where there's a cannon because they made him go out by the cannon. Then Chase jumped off of Carol's lap, grabbed a cookie, and went to do something else. (laughs) I guess he was over it. (laughs) That's when her daughter pointed out that the spot where Chase said he'd been shot in the wrist Mm -hmm. is also where he had chronic and severe eczema. Since he was a baby. 
Nothing ever took care of it, and Carol would regularly have to bandage his wrist at night to keep him from scratching it until it bled. Wow. After this event, his eczema cleared up within a couple of days. Holy shit. Then, uh, not long after this, he asked for a drum kit and has been making big booming sounds ever since. That's so, that's so nice. I know. Later. And fucking freaky. I know. Later, Carol... Uh, later, Chase said to Carol, hey, mom, you remember when I was a soldier? And this was out of nowhere. They were just hanging out. And he's like, mom, remember when I was a soldier? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> and he said, we talked differently back then, back then. And I was black. I was a black soldier. And then he just went on to do something else. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A year later, second grade. He's seven years old. This was right after De- Desert Storm started. Oh. And they were, they were putting up yellow ribbons everywhere mm-hmm. if you weren't around then. Uh it was a war and there were yellow ribbons were yeah. supporting soldiers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a big deal, too, because our last <laughs> wars like Vietnam, um, soldiers were not supported. So yeah, these yellow. Yeah, yeah. And um, so these ribbons were going up to support soldiers. And, mm-hmm. and that's really when it became much more supportive. You know, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, was, it was a big mm-hmm. deal. But he told Carol that kids didn't understand what war was really like and that when he saw the ribbons, they upset him. By this time, she had been training in past life therapy and she asked him more. He said he was a free black man who lived in Colosso, which they couldn't find. They didn't know what that city was, but that's where he said he lived. Mm. He had a wife and kids and he made pots. He signed up for the war because they put up these posters asking people to sign up, but he couldn't read. So he had no idea what he was actually signing up to do. This is from a seven-year-old. And even though she was into it, she had never talked to him about the past life stuff before. Uh, Chase told her that after they sent him back out, after he had his wrist bandaged up, Uh they put him behind the cannon and made him pull this string. Then he felt himself floating above the battlefield looking down. He said, I died. I see smoke below. It's a relief to be out there. When you're in spirit, you can go back and see what happened to your family. And I want to go back and say goodbye to them. Everyone has to experience war. It teaches you how other people feel. It's a bad thing, but everyone has to experience it. A seven-year-old. Whoa. I know. Damn. Then he drew an aerial view of the battlefield, the artillery of which a historian verified as being accurate for the time. He also drew for Civil War. He also drew an image of his wrist and the hospital tent and images from the actual battlefield site corroborate his recollection from battlefield sites from the Civil War. Yeah. 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 When he was in college, his eczema came back. Mm. So she asked him what was going on in his life, like what had happened. And he had recently, in order to get loans, he had to sign up for the draft. You know, when you sign up for the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once he realized that's what it was, his eczema went away and never came back. Wow. What a God, that's um that's just I, I'm staggered. I know, I know. Get ready. Okay, so that's why Carol started to investigate children and their past lives. So she has these four signs that it's legit, right? One is that the the child says it in a matter-of-fact tone. There's no drama to it, it's just this is what happened. So they'll say things like when I was bef- when I was alive before I was blah blah blah, mm-hmm. or back before I was born I was, mm. or before I was a kid I died and I fell out of boat, you know what I mean? Like just yeah, yeah. And you can sometimes tell, like when a kid is trying to make up something that you can mm-hmm. kind of tell that they're 
they kind of upward inflect to make mm-hmm. sure that like to see if they've got you. Yeah. You know, it's like just I was the one time I was a soldier and, and I did this I and they go, oh, yeah, one time I was a soldier. You know, it's, it's, right. you, it's can, different. you can tell the difference. It's mm-hmm. unusual. Children and, are not very sophisticated liars and they're usually no. pretty easy to read. Yes. Uh, second thing. Uh, knowledge beyond experience in case they are good liars. So then there's a knowledge beyond experience. Usually they tell the story in the first person and it's the things like I had to pull a string on the cannon. I had to, you know, I had to go to this tent. It was the hospital, but it was like a tent. Okay. Like that's such a specific Mm -hmm. thing. If they're telling these kinds of details and they have, they should in no way know them. It's a sign. Uh, the third thing is consistency of detail over the, over time, as in they might elaborate and tell more of a story as they remember more or as yeah. they think of more. Yeah. But the details of the story don't change. Like the core details. Right. Never they don't change. change. Um, and then the fourth thing is the corresponding behavior and traits. Mm. So, you know, the eczema, for example, um, this is not just possession of a spirit either. They're not being possessed by something. And that's the personality traits are what make that different. Okay. Right. The other thing is like birthmarks are a big deal. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's also not just trauma or PTSD. People will also have positive attributes to their past lives as well that they take into their future lives. Um, usually it starts pretty young. They're usually still in diapers when they start having these memories. Mm. And they start to fade around five or seven, between five and seven. Chase was actually older than most kids because he started when he when he was five is when he started having these memories mm. or at least talking about because they were triggered by something. He, they were just yeah triggered something. by an experience. The, yeah, the fireworks, I yeah. guess. So Elizabeth, this is a quick example of these types of things. Yeah. She was two and a half years old in diapers, right? Very mm-hmm. young, living with her family in England. She was in the garden and asked her mother, what kind of flower is this? Her mother replied that they were daisies. And Elizabeth replied, matter of fact, just like me, I'm Daisy Pickles. She insisted people call her that until she was five. They lived near a small airport. And whenever a prop plane would fly over their house, Elizabeth would run into the hall, lay flat, cover her face, and be terrified. Oh. So she would take a position and a location that they did for bomb threats. Yeah. She should not have known that. So that is knowledge beyond her years. Right. Or that a prop plane could do anything. Yeah. Right. Why would you be scared of that? And yeah. yeah. So that's the kind of the knowledge thing. Um, And she did it consistently at the age of 24. She was still terrified of prop planes. Hmm. And years later, her mother received a genealogy report from her father. So Elizabeth's grandfather, Mm -hmm. there was a Daisy Pickles in their family line who died in 1942 in London. And although the majority of the bombings stopped by then, they still had some that still killed people in 1942. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So that's just a quick, like kind of idea of it. Another important person regarding this research is a man by the name of Dr. Ian Stevenson. He researched past lives and children for 45 years mostly in countries that believe in past lives. Mm -hmm. So a lot of Asian countries. Okay. 
He had a career as a medical doctor and many scholarly papers to his credit before he began paranormal research. He was the head of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Virginia and then director of the Division of Personality Studies at the University of Virginia. Dr. Stevenson worked and published until his death in 2007 at the age of 88. In his lifetime, he documented over 3,000 cases of past lives in children, over 800 of which were solved. And that means they were corroborated with evidence that proved these kids knew what they were talking about. About 75% of the kids in the solved section remembered how they died. 50% of those people, of those children had terrible deaths. And 35 of those had phobias related to their trauma, their death trauma. Oh. Many had birth defects or birthmarks from those deaths specifically. Oh. Yeah. There was one guy who... Um, he, he, this man died. He had been shot in the chest. And this little boy, I think this was in India, he was reincarnated, said he was reincarnated mm-hmm. as this man. And um, he had the same, he had uh, birthmarks in the same pattern mm-hmm. as the gunshot wounds that killed in this man's chest. Like the exact same. Jesus. Yeah, it's nuts. So. Ah, that, oh, yeah. Mind and, blown. Yeah. And uh, in uh, some of these countries, going to see the family of the person that this child says they were reincarnated from mm-hmm. isn't as uncommon as you would think. Hmm. It happens. It's not a lot, but it does happen. So one of uh, Stevenson's, Dr. Stevenson's cases is this kid named Chennai. I think it's Chennai. We're going to go with that <laughs> uh, from Thailand. By three years old, he pretended he was a school teacher with the other kids. Like when they played games, he, he played school teacher. Uh, he remembered his name. And how he died. Um, I I don't know how to pronounce that name, so I'm not going to say it. But he knew what the name was. (laughs) And he said um, he had died riding his bicycle and had been shot in the head. He remembered the names of his relatives and the town where he formerly lived and recognized them. He also said he had a wife and twin daughters. So he begged his grandmother to take him to the town, this town, to see his wife and twin girls. She finally relented and they took a bus to the town he told her he had lived in before. The bus dropped them off in the marketplace and Shanai led them to a house. When an elderly couple answered, he called the mother and father and told them he was their son. The elderly couple had a son who had been a school teacher and had been shot and killed while riding his bicycle. Their son also had a wife and twin girls. They ding, took Shanai to ding, I know. Ding, 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 ding. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's Jesus Christ. They took Shanai to the girls who were teens at the time and he told them he was their father, which was awkward for them, I'm sure. He knew their names and remember they're twins and he could tell them apart. Oh, oh. He asked about them. He asked them about some blue jeans the school teacher had bought right before he died and the girls said they were still in the closet because they had never moved them. There were also, he also asked about this necklace he had that had three Buddhas on it. They showed him the necklace. It only had two Buddhas on it because they gave one of the Buddhas to one of the girls. For those of you (laughs) that can't see me, which is everyone but Jamie right now, (laughs) this is the sound of me just sitting here wide eyed with my hands over my mouth Uh, like I've just been proposed to. Right. Or, (laughs) Or just one Miss America. Or just one person. Maybe I did in a past life. It's possible. That's why it's so automatic for <laughs> It you. wouldn't surprise me at this point. Yeah. He also described changes in the house that they had made since. And how old was he at the time? He was about. Three. Is yeah, when okay. he started having these memories. Yeah. That's. Uh, 
That's awfully compelling. Uh Uh-huh. There's also his birthmarks. He had, was born with two birthmarks on his head that perfectly matched the entrance and exit wound of the bullet that killed the school teacher. What? What bizarre mechanism causes that to be a thing? I know. Like, what? That's just, I mean, my mind is just racing. It's incredible. I've never. I know. Wow. Yeah. I'm just completely blown away. I know. I'm completely blown away. We have several Yes. So, okay, in one case, this is a short one, but in one case, a man was killed, reincarnated. The child, when he was a child, found the wife of the previous life and later grew up to marry her. There was a 20 year difference in age. Damn. I know. Damn. Okay. Well, hey, talk about like. Yeah, you don't hear about those stories. I'm fine. I that. God damn it! I just don't even have. I know. I don't even have proper <laughs> responses to this. I can, I'm just gonna start like grunting and making cave person sounds. I love it. Uh, 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 that's all I want. I, that's uh, all I want in life is to <laughs> to reduce me to you. just an inarticulate blob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's really what all of us want. <laughs> Fair. A little bit. A little bit. So. Carol actually worked with Dr. Stevenson on many of her cases before he died. He was kind of, it seemed like he was a mentor to her. And so here are a few of her cases. There is the case of Blake. Mm. When he was two, he ran to the door when his brother was catching the school bus. His mom, Colleen, asked if he meant, um, wait, hold on. I skipped something. Oh, sorry. When he was two... He ran to the door when his brother was catching the school bus and said he had been killed by a truck. His mom, mm. Colleen, asked him if he meant a toy cr- truck, and he said no, a big truck. He was two. She'd seen something not long before about kids remembering their past lives, so she started asking him questions because she'd seen it on the show. What happened? I went under the wheels. Then what? I was taken to a school. Colleen said any big building to him at that time was a school because the only big buildings he'd ever seen was a school because his brother would go. Uh, And he told her that he went under the wheels and he gestured to the left side of his body and told her the truck had run him over. She asked him where his mommy and daddy were, and he said they had gone to the store. What happened? He told her then he had died. A few weeks later, a trash truck drove by and he told her that's the kind of truck that had hit him. Later, he was three years old, and they went to London and were walking down a busy street. He was in a stroller. He got out of the stroller as a truck came by and ran into its path. Father really quickly grabbed him before he could be hurt, pulled him to the sidewalk. They were like, oh. So then Colleen, the mom, became concerned and thought, you know, is is this a past life? Is this a foretelling? Is he trying to relive it? What's going on? I need some help. So... The other thing is, after he remembered being hit by the truck, he started to become depressed and withdrawn. He had been a very happy child before. They actually nicknamed him Smiley because he was always so happy. And so what she assumed was that because he was the middle child, she had had another child after him, Mm -hmm. that uh, he was just feeling neglected and she needed to give him more attention. Then he started complaining about aches and pains on the left side of his body. When she tried to comfort him, he would push her away and say, I love you, but I hate you. Ouch. God, that's... Yeah. I I can't imagine dealing with that. So when she talked to Carol, Carol told her that very young children have a difficult time differentiating 
the past life from the new one. So she recommended telling him when he's relaxed, which is when a lot of these memories happen. They happen a lot when a kid's in a car and they're kind of being lulled into this comfortable spot. So when they're about to go to sleep, right after they've had a bath, when they're really comfortable, Mm -hmm. that's when a lot of these stories will come out. Because their mind's relatively quiet, so yes. things start rushing in. Exactly. So she said, when he's like that, first acknowledge and, and what he's saying. You know, you remember how you told me this. And mm-hmm. Don't tell him it's not true or anything like that. Acknowledge that it's real. And then tell him that he was in a new body and was safe. Then tell him the mommy and daddy that had gone to the store were a different mommy and daddy, and she was his new mommy. After Colleen did that, he woke up the next day and was back to normal. His aches and pains left, and he was his usual happy self. So sometimes that's all it takes, is just telling a kid, this is a, you're in a different body, you're in a healthy one, mm-hmm. that one's before, this is now, and that can fix it. Crazy. Wow, I, good Lord, I, I know. just can't. Yeah, so then we have Chad Luke. Okay. His name. He's Chad, a Chad Luke. man with two first names. Um, <laughs> Kathy Luke was a teenage single mother when her first son James was born in March of 1978. Kathy was estranged from James' father. Mm. When James was 16 months old, he was diagnosed with neuroblastoma and rapidly became very ill. By April of 1980, he had 17 tumors in his left leg, mm. a large tumor behind his left eye, which caused blindness in that mm. eye and distortion on the left side of his face and a tumor behind his right ear. When he was in the hospital, doctors inserted an IV onto the right side of his neck, with, which left a linear surgical scar. Mm. The doctors sent him home after the surgery because there was nothing they could do her two-year-old son told her not to cry for him and then he died Mm. she did what he said and bottled up her emotions and wouldn't cry for him and and pushed it away Mm. she later had two more children and after giving birth via c-section to her fourth child the doctors informed her that her son was unfortunately blind in his left eye That he had what looked like a tumor behind his right ear, but it was just a cyst and would go away. So she told him to bring her son, Chad, and when she saw him, she felt like it was James. He even had a scar on his neck where the IV had left a scar on James. According to Kathy, I knew he was James. It gave me so much comfort to know that he had come back to me. She kept it to herself because her family wouldn't have been support. I know it's so sad. No, I, can't. I know it's going to, this is an emotional episode. Uh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So she kept it to herself because her family wouldn't have been supportive. She had been raised in a strict Southern Baptist home and didn't want them to think that she was insane. However, <laughs> when Chad was four, he started to describe the apartment she lived in with James. He started asking for toys he didn't have, but James did. He told her he wanted to go back. Oh, this is going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) He told her he wanted to go back to their old home because that's where he had left her. I know. I know. I can't. I know. It's so sad. Somebody throw a pie. (laughs) Please. Fart something. Do something. (laughs) Okay. So uh, then uh, one day he just got up and told his brother, I got sick one day and died, but now I'm back. And that was it. (laughs) So Chad asked Kathy if he needed surgery again. 
And when she told him he'd never had a surgery, he described the surgery James had behind his ear. She showed him a picture of James, a picture she had never shown to her other children, because remember, she bottled up everything. And he said, I want that. When she asked him why, he said, because it's me. Carol, of course, encouraged Kathy to speak to Chad directly about his memories, but it took months for Kathy to muster up the courage to talk to him. The following is what Kathy reported to Carol. We will see if I can say it. <laughs> so you're not, sad. You're not going to be able to say it. You're gonna, we're both okay. going to just fucking bawl. I know. One <sighs> evening, I sat Chad down on my lap and said, I don't know everything, but I know you were here before and you were a very sick little boy. Then you had to go away so you could come back in a healthy body. Chad just sat and listened to me as I spoke. Then his eyebrows lifted, his face lit up, and he chirped. I know. Then he ran off to play. That was all there is to it. I did it. (laughs) Barely. You barely did it. (laughs) Two days later, an excited Chad ran to Kathy and told her that he could see out of his left eye. It wasn't a huge difference, but it was the first time he had any vision at all in that eye. Kathy felt like Chad was able to let go of the guilt James had for making her sad, Mm. and she could finally open up and let go of the pain she'd kept hidden. So, yeah, that's that's that story. So James was born, for dates again, James was born in March of 1978, and he died in April of 1980. Chad was born December of 1992. Reincarnation in families is not that rare either because we have this one we have elizabeth right yeah yeah, when carol asked dr stevenson why people would come back in the same family he said this is a scientist right Uh he uh said isn't love enough (laughs) that's sweet (laughs) she thinks it's that and it's also like a do-over which is my term that's not how she said it (laughs) but the technical term is we call it a do-over a do-over it's just a do-over um Basically, they want a chance to try whatever it was they were supposed to accomplish in that life again. It seems, uh, too, that if reincarnation is in a, in, a fa- in a family, it happens faster. Sometimes less than nine months. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now we have <laughs> Trenny. Oh, God, there's yeah, more? <laughs> I know, there's two more. Uh, 1993, her brother, a basketball player, died in a single car accident. Mm. In 1998, Five years later, Trini gave birth to a little boy, Noah, and at age two, he could dribble with both hands. Strange. (laughs) Noah also told her three separate times. Last time I was here, I fell out out of a car and died, and then I flew up into the sky. The similarities didn't occur to her until he was three when they were driving. He was in the car seat in the back of the car trying to get her attention. Finally, he said, damn it, Hanny, I'm trying to talk to you. <laughs> her brother was the only person who ever called her Hanny. Oh. One day, she drove him to the house they had lived in, and she pulled over and stopped. Noah said, that's where we used to play basketball. His father said, when was that? And Noah replied, when Mommy and I were kids. The house had been remodeled, and the basketball hoop that had been there when Trini was growing up had been taken down. Craig, her brother, had chipped his front tooth when he was younger, and Noah was born with a chipped tooth. Or when his teeth came in, they were chipped. Yeah. Ooh! Yeah. And it, it wasn't a hereditary thing either. Yeah. Yeah. As much as Noah's grandmother didn't want to believe it, same thing. Uh, Christian background doesn't 
support reincarnation right, right, in right. most instances. Um, she, so she didn't want to believe it. She had a hard time denying what could be when Noah asked her to make a jello dish that she used to make for Craig. So that was, uh, that's, yeah, Noah and Craig. And there aren't many American cases as detailed as a lot of the Asian cases, but this last one that I'm going to read is um, really fucking good. Okay. okay. All right. Let me, let me grab a sip. Hang on. Okay. Just a little healing, a little, a little healing, healing sip. A little healing elixir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is about James, I think it's Leininger, Leininger. 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 L-E-I-N-I-N-G-E-R. Okay. Andrea Linen Leninger. Andrea L., his mother, uh, a mother from Louisiana, reached out to Carol because she felt her son James was having past life memories. One of James' first words was airplane. Soon after that, anytime he would see a plane, he would say, airplane crash. Uh. The only toys he wanted were airplanes, and he seemed to have an uncanny knowledge about flying and World War II airplanes. When James was two and a half, he started waking up screaming and thrashing from nightmares about his plane crashing. He was having horrific nightmares about three times a week. Mm. This had been going on for months. When they asked him what kind of plane, he always said a Corsair. (gasps) They didn't know what a Corsair was, but when they looked it up, they found... It was a plane used uh-huh. in World uh-huh. War II. And it's a little bombing plane. Yeah. A little bomber. A little fighter. Yeah. Jet. Yeah. Or uh, plane. Whatever they call them. Right. Uh, Carol gave Andrea her standard advice about assuring him he was now safe in a new body and that that other life was over. When Carol eventually followed up with Andrea in 2002, she reported that after she talked to James about his nightmares and that he was in a new body and followed her instructions, that the nightmares d- diminished in frequency from three times a week to once every two weeks. But that wasn't the end of it. James talked more and more about his life as a pilot. Bruce, James's father, was very skeptical. He was religious as well, and so he couldn't accept reincarnation as the reason why his son knew so much about World War II or why he had nightmares. Now, that's not to say that every Christian can't believe in reincarnation. It's just a lot of people, especially certain denominations, it's like, you know, if they think that any ghost is a demon, they probably aren't going to support reincarnation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit into their worldview at all. It's like, ah, that's a, that's a, that's a big rewriting Mm -hmm. they have to do if they Mm want to accept that. Yeah. Um, Ooh, Andrea was totally down with reincarnation theory. And so she asked him a lot of questions. Bruce did not like it. He did not think it was real. And he was pretty much out to prove it wrong. Andrea asked James if he remembered where his plane took off. And he said it took off of a boat. And she said, what boat? And he said it was the Natoma. Bruce told him that that was a Japanese name. And he said, James said, no, it's American. Just straight up told him. So Bruce, trying to determine that reincarnation was not the explanation, started doing research online. He found that there had been an American aircraft carrier in the Pacific during World War II called the Natoma Bay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they asked James if he remembered his name, he would always say it was James, which only confirmed to Bruce it was a bullshit. So they asked him if he remembered the names of any of his friends on the Natoma Bay, and James said Jack Larson. Bruce did a little research and found that found that there had, in fact, been a pilot on the Natoma Bay named Jack Larson. 
One day, Bruce had just gotten a book about battles in World War II and opened to an aerial shot of Iwo Jima. James, who was just standing next to him, said, Daddy, that's where my plane went down. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, that did it for Bruce then. He was like, okay, this is fucking real. Okay. I'm no longer <laughs> this, Christian. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Christian and a believer in reincarnation, which I think is a thing. It can totally be a thing. Absolutely. James drew a lot of pictures as well, um, and most of them were planes being shot down by boats. In these chaotic, violent drawings, there would be fire and enemy flak in the sky. He always signed his drawings, James Three. When par- his parents asked him why, he said, because I'm the third James. Bruce was so intent on figuring out this mystery that he went to a reunion of Natoma Bay veterans in the guise of doing research for a book, which ended up not being a lie because they did write a book about this. <laughs> Eventually, they did. In talking to one of the veterans, he found out that there was one pilot who was shot down in the way James described it near Iwo Jima, and his name was James Huston Jr. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh god so little james was the third james huston's mm-hmm. plane took off took a hit in the front and went down in the ocean james huston died in 1945 at the age of 21 can you guess what james huston was flying a corsair a corsair I had a feeling. You had a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) James' parents found out that James Huston had a sister, Anne, who was still alive and living in California. They contacted her and were able to corroborate specific details young James recalled of James Huston's family life. Details only Anne knew. So get this. This is the best part. Okay, okay. A Japanese film crew saw the story. And offered to fly James and his family because they had covered it on TV. I think mm-hmm. PBS did it. And Oprah was doing a lot of these stories, too, at the end of the 80s and beginning of the 90s. True. And that's how yeah. Carol got her first publishing deal. Right, so right. Uh, this Japanese film crew saw it. And they offered to fly James and his family to Japan and have a memorial service where James Huston's plane was shot down. The family and the film crew took a boat to the site of the crash. <laughs> when they arrived at the place where James Huston's plane went down. Eight-year-old James burst into tears. Mm -hmm. He recovered enough to throw a bouquet of flowers into the water. And he said, goodbye, James M. Huston. I'll never forget you. And we don't have to feel bad because apparently everybody else on the the boat was crying too. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. So after the trip to Japan, James started to forget his life as James Huston. He still drew planes, but they weren't crashing anymore. They were flying over fields of daisies and like water with dolphins and shit. This is so sweet. That's so good. And then he signed up James instead of James 3. That's so pure. I know. So good. Uh, so that's under me. I know. It was so I, I told can't you. even be scared. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I feel so Why? There's a heartwarming story. It's so good. Um so the book <laughs> the book his family wrote about it was published in 2009 and it's called Soul Survivor. Oh. If anybody wants to read it. And Carol, yeah, I'm getting it. Yeah, I'm Carol again it. has written two books and those are called at least two books but um Children's Past Lives and Return from Heaven. Oh. 
<sighs> so good. It's so good. Oh my god. It's I know. So good. There's so many feelings. Uh, Do we need to take a pee break and a yes, drink break? Okay. And a, yeah. And we're back. Oh, we're emotionally god. recovered. Yeah, I'm sufficiently steeled now. We hope I'm not going to feel anything else. Hope that you guys are okay. <laughs> that was good. That was good mm-hmm. shit, Jamie. That was really great. Thank you. But now I'm going to offer us up a, you know, a nice simple palate cleanser of death and uh, unsolved murder. Our normal. And, yeah, feel just good. something. Yeah. yeah, just something to feel good about yourselves. So mine. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a weird story. It's a little bit true. Well, it's a lot of true crime mystery, but it's a little paranormal, a little UFO-y, a little just what the fuck happened. And uh, it's a story I found very recently, though it's been around for a long time. And uh, I just I'm I'm really intrigued. There's so many there's so much to unpack right here as short as it is. So have you ever, Jamie, heard about the 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 men in the lead mask? I feel like I have not the man in the iron mask. That's right. a book by it has nothing to do with that. It's that uh, it's a Brazilian case. Yeah, I feel like I've heard of it. Okay. The man in the iron mask is Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, and it's one incarnation, sure. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. So I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. God, I've forgotten about that movie. <laughs> well, okay, so let me just tell you the story and I'll lay it out and okay. we'll see how often you kind of go, what? Because I did. Yeah. Um, so on August 20th, and this was in 1966, in a little town called uh, Nitori or Nictory, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, just outside of Rio de Janeiro. A a young boy flying his kite in the choppy air above a place called Vintnam Hill, V-I-N-T-M, discovered what at first glance appeared to be a discarded pile of clothes obscured by some tall grass. And looking closer, he recoiled to see two decomposing male bodies. Yikes. Now, he ran home and told his parents, who immediately called the police, it's not... So much a surprise that authorities waited until morning to investigate because night had already fallen on the treacherous landscape by the time the call had come in. And judging from you know the boy's description, these guys were beyond any hope of rescue. So they're like, all right, we'll just go in the morning. And mind you, this was this was Brazil in the 1960s. So they didn't have like special equipment, whatever. And then bodies were already deposed. So they they got there as soon as they could. Um, and even, you know, we have to bear in mind, too, that had the police come any earlier, the scene awaiting them would have been no less fucking weird. So the bodies were laying next to each other on top of a, this kind of weird depression in the soil at, at this point in the hill, huh. in the grass. Now, beneath their raincoats, both men were wearing formal suits. Uh, nearby lay an empty bottle of water. And a uh, like a, a, a canvas package or a canvas uh, bag with uh, two damp towels inside. Now, neither man carried much in the way of money or valuables. They didn't have wristwatches or jewelry or any money on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet uh, there was no sign of a struggle. And over their eyes were two crude custom made lead masks cut from sheet metal. They were really goggles. In the shape of goggles, except they were impossible to see out of. They they completely covered the eye. And so they were almost like what you would wear before going into a tanning booth. Right. Right. Like a, a really intense sleep mask. A really, really <laughs> intense. Wear that on a plane uh, and freak right. everyone out. Right. Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> Got it. and uh, 
So in the pocket of one of their raincoats, police found a notebook scrawled with alphanumeric code and what seemed to be a list of handwritten instructions. Now, this is, of course, translated from Brazilian, but it reads uh, 4.30, be at specified location. 6.30, ingest capsules. After the effect, protect metals, await signal mass. Say that again. 4.30, be at specified location. 6.30, Ingest, capsule, uh, ingest capsules after the effect, protect metals, await signal mask. All the, the last sentence after the, after effect, the effect, protect metals, await signal mask is all no, await signal mask. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how you'd want to kind of break it yeah. up. And that kind of sounds like so ingest capsules after the effect, protect metals, await signal mask. Uh, now, baffled as police were by the details, uh, they were nonetheless able to identify the bodies as, and I'm going to fuck up these names, uh, Manuel Pereira de Cruz and Miguel José Viana, two electricians. Manuel Cruz and José <laughs> de Viana. Is that right? No, no. Uh, um, Manuel, not Manuel, it's Manuel. Manuel. Uh, it's, it's M-A-N-O-E-L. Oh, Manuel. spelling, uh, uh, Portuguese, right? Uh, so, uh, Manuel Pereira de Cruz. And Miguel Jose Viana. I'll just call them Da Cruz and Viana from here on out. Okay. Because uh, that's a mouthful and I know I'll fuck it up again. Okay. Uh, and there's more names. <laughs> Two electricians from the small town of, here's another one, Campos, uh, do, uh, Campos dos uh, Gotasias, about, uh, 70, about 170 miles northeast of Rio de Janeiro. Now, the bodies were packed off to a local coroner, but this coroner was so backlogged that it took him weeks to conduct a formal autopsy, by which time... On these already decomposing bodies. Right, by which time, of course... What is happening in your fucking city? Well, that you can't do an autopsy a lot for a of few a, weeks. Yeah, a lot of bodies, a lot of bodies, right? And so the body, they, so this, it, it made zeroing in on an exact this cause of death. Is Rio de Janeiro? <laughs> yes, Rio de Janeiro. Well, Nitori, no. which is which is a which is outside of Rio de Janeiro, so oh. a smaller, more rural, or it's a city. It's a city, but it's it's not as um, illustrious or as cosmopolitan. One would imagine Has a lot of dead folk, though. Well, and uh, <laughs> not the last it would turn out, or oh. the f- people that uh, wearing lead masks. So the bodies, uh, okay, so, so they couldn't zero in on a cause of death because of this. And this compelled investigators to piece together a story using good old-fashioned legwork, which, of course, they were good at <laughs> dealing with a coroner like this. I imagine going, fuck, never mind, Rob, we got it. I know. Um, now, fortunately for them, several eyewitnesses had seen the men in the days leading up to their mysterious deaths. Apparently, Da Cruz and Diana caught a bus in Campos on August 17th. This was three days before they were found, with enough cash on hand drawn from their joint business account to buy a used car. So quite a bit of cash on them. They arrived in Nitoria around 2.30 p.m. and instead bought raincoats from a local shop. From there, they walked up to they walked to a bar up the road from the shop and ordered a bottle of water. The waitress uh, who served them noted that both men seemed a little on edge. Viana, in particular, kept checking his watch and looking around as though impatient for someone to show up. Later, the two men were seen riding in the back of a jeep driven by two unidentified men heading toward Vietnam Hill. There, alas, the timeline ends and a number of head-scratching questions begin. Uh, into their investigation, a man named Elicio Gomez came forward claiming that he, Da Cruz, and Viana were members of something called the Spiritual Scientists, as it turns out just about every electrician in the region was. Oh. Um, now, the kind of weird 40 and hijinks this organization got up to can be kind of surmised by the title. Uh, but 
In particular, Gomez insisted that his friends, Da Cruz and Viana, had built a device for the purposes of communicating with beings from Mars. Okay. And what's more, that it worked. Oh. Before exploding. Ah. You know what <laughs> now, makes you think, though, is it? I mean, especially because we know Mars now, we have the, the rover on Mars. Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But it makes you think, is it kind of like a Ouija board? Like, be careful what you're trying to contact, because what you get a hold of may not be what you think you're talking it's to. It's like someone like, we're from Mars. Mars. That's the ticket. Yeah. Well. Keep thinking along those lines. So the explosion that uh, Gomez describes having happened is corroborated by reports of an explosion on Espirito Santo Beach the night of June 13th. You did that really well. Yeah. You did that really well. Oh, thank you. That was an easy one. Um, uh, It was a beach in in Espirito Santo, which both men were, all three men were from. Okay. And, or near where they were from, right? Uh, This was on June 13th. And apparently the explosion was so massive that it rocked buildings up to nine miles away. What? Uh, Around the same time of this explosion, several local fishermen claimed to have seen a flying saucer crash into the ocean, not far from the beach. Now, (laughs) this raises the question. (laughs) What did you do? (laughs) Could the alphanumeric codes inside the notebook have been encrypted messages, coordinates even, produced by this fantastic homemade communicator? Um... Perhaps it's no coincidence that a bright orange oval-shaped craft was seen hovering in the sky above Vietnam Hill the last night both men were seen alive. Oh. Now perhaps, just perhaps, Dr. Cruz and Viana had set up a rendezvous with something out of this world and perished in the process. Perhaps leaving their physical bodies behind was a condition of the parlay. There oh. are some people that believe that, including Gomez himself. Bear in mind... Uh, the instructions clearly indicated that the men were to take capsules of some sort, yet no capsules were found at the scene, suggesting that they'd done just that. Mm-hmm. Many speculate the capsules were poison. Thanks to the overworked medical examiner, we'll never know exactly what was <laughs> in them. Uh, but also the lead masks, which are completely opaque, suggested that Cruz and Viana were prepared to shield their eyes from some kind of blinding light source. Right. Um, and which... why would you do that if you were going to die? Right. Yeah. Now, admittedly, a far more down-to-earth solution is that these well-meaning, if somewhat recklessly idealistic men, were the victims of some elaborate scam. Now, rationally inclined people tend to skew in this direction. It's possible that some clever sociopath took advantage of the Cruz and Viana's need for spiritual enlightenment and persuaded these poor souls um, to poison themselves. Possibly. The substantial amount of cash they'd withdrawn in Campos was never found, Mm. uh, nor were their watches, which we do know from the waitress that they were wearing before they got to the hill. Um, But uh, you got to we also have to bear in mind that these were intelligent, experienced men, meticulous. It was part of their job. And it's hard to think of someone their age and of experience being naive enough to fall for something so bizarre. Um, And Setting your victims up for such an elaborate scavenger hunt seems like a lot of trouble to go to for a murder robbery, especially considering how many witnesses that exposes them to in the process. Right. So it's it seems kind of weird. Now, a TV repairman named Hermes was found. Excuse me. A TV repairman named Hermes was found atop Moro de Cruzero, a different mountain in a different area of the region just four years earlier in 1962 under very similar circumstances. Lead mask. 
at all. Homemade lead mask at all. Now, whether this argues for or against the crime angle is left to doubt. I tend to doubt it because I think that Cruz and Viano almost certainly would have been aware of that case because right. it was a man who died mysteriously in their own profession who would have probably also been a member of this this this, this group. Yeah. Um, and so it would have really deeply put them off uh, going going along with something like this, uh, unless, of course, they had reason to believe there was more to it than met the eye. Now, the alphanumeric codes in the notebook were ultimately determined to be part numbers for various electronic components. So it's probable that Cruz and Diana came to Nitori to buy them, which explains why they withdrew the money. Mm-hmm. Rather than someone saying, bring money. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, this, of course, that that kind of muddles the scam angle a little bit, uh, but it doesn't disprove it. Uh, and we do have to remember that there are the two men in the Jeep uh, that that uh, they were riding in the back of, that no one identified. Now, it's very possible that those men were just motorists and that, that Cruz and Diana hitched a ride with them. Right. kind of thing happened all the time back then, especially. Uh, still does, as a matter of fact. Now, um, and also, it's important to know that the strange orange light above Vietnam Hill that was seen uh, the, the last night they were seen alive was only witnessed by one family who reported okay. it. And it's quite possible that they misidentified some mundane phenomenon or could have been in on the scam. Right. Now, last few bits of details, just to kind of open the floor to discussion. <laughs> Evidence suggests that Cruz and Viana made the odd lead masks themselves. Uh, and if that weren't complicated enough, authorities determined that the instructions in the notebook not the no- the alphanumeric codes there were just part numbers, but the instructions, the you know, 430 be here, 630 take capsules, you know, mm-hmm. await signal mask, was written in someone else's handwriting. Neither oh. one of theirs. Which is really, really weird. Um so if you're not if you're not scratching your head yet, <laughs> at least one investigator has found that both men were likely as not involved in a electronics parts smuggling operation because they were not easy to come by in Brazil in those days. But how the hell all this fits together, we don't know. But that, in a nutshell, is the mystery of the men in the lead masks. Yeah, I've never heard that. Yeah. Crazy, right? That is crazy. Crazy. Why the raincoats? I I don't know. I don't know whether it was raining. No, I can't find anywhere any evidence mm-hmm. that it was raining. And if it was, why wouldn't they just had rain? I mean, they were in the same region. It was yeah. rain. So I don't know where the raincoats were. And they were wearing formal suits beneath right. them. And, you know, I mean, it's easy to think, okay, these two guys just were like believe that like their space brothers were coming down to take them away. And they're like, oh, well, when, you know, maybe they were told, you know, okay, well, when the spaceship appears, it's like it has to come to like this blinding light. So you're going to want to something to protect your eyes mm-hmm. from. Uh, but why? Why the lead masks? Like, why can't you just close your eyes? Can you shield it? Like, if it's bright yeah. enough that you need lead masks to protect your eyes, why nothing else to protect your body? Right. You know, why weren't they wearing, you know, full body protection? I, I That I don't understand. But then again, I don't know what they were told or what they were expecting to right. believe. And, you know, it, it's possible that someone was like, you know, hey, maybe they met some stranger who was like, I'm going to tell you, you're going to build this machine. And I know this guy that did it and it works. You'll talk to these creatures that say they're from Mars. They'll come through and it'll like conjure up a UFO. And they may have been part of some big scam or someone was doing this, maybe like mm-hmm. he into there. But we don't know how the machine worked or whether it was a communication device in the sense that, you know, you could hear voices or whether it came in Morse code or some other kind of thing. Or who knows? We don't know because the machine exploded. 
Right. And Gomez was not privileged to know how they made it or how it worked. He just knew that they had told him about it and and told him about the experience of it exploding and that, oh, my God, they were really excited because they'd, they'd talked to this, these they creatures. Did they get those parts? Huh? Or they just got the money out? They didn't actually get the parts? We don't know. They they weren't they weren't the money was gone. And if they'd had any I mean, it was clear that they were robbed, but it's possible that somebody came upon their bodies. They've been there for a couple of days at the the time. Took the money. It's possible. I kind of like that angle. And, um, you know, it's kind of strange that the you know, but I think it's. Uh, you know, the kid could have taken the watch. The kid, somebody else could too. I mm-hmm. mean, like if 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 these bodies are where a kid could have stumbled upon them, you know, yeah. any hiker or whatever going through there could have found them as well. And so it's possible. So it's it's weird though. But why would they have the money uh, to buy these parts if they were planning to die uh, mm-hmm. or go away? Like unless they were. I mean, maybe as as part of their job in order to like make to justify the trip. To Nitori, they had to like show their boss that here we're taking out money to go on this thing, and maybe yeah. they just gave the money away to someone just to be like, look, this is our pretext for just leaving town, mm-hmm. so people wouldn't think it was suspicious because we need a couple days to get there because they wanted to rendezvous with whatever this thing was. Right. Well, it's like the I can't remember what that cult is, but where they would they you they know. thought they were uh, you're talking about uh, uh, Heaven's Gate, yes, with the Hellbot comet, and they yes. thought they were the comet was coming and that there was a spaceship hiding uh-huh. in the tail of it. And it was going to pass close to the earth and they would have to like die to Uh become part of it. So maybe something along those um, lines, maybe because that, oh yeah, that might be. And the fact that, which is interesting is like they had to, they simply had to have known about Hermes, the guy that in 62 was found dead, who was in this similar profession. He was a TV repairman, which is means electrician basically as well. So, um, you know, they they would have run in the same circles, presumably, or known about him. That kind of thing. Well, that kind of a death in a in a in a town that small mm-hmm. would make an impact. And it was in a different town. It was in a different town. different mountain, uh, but it was similar. It was like a mountain, you know. So it was kind of strange, and it well, just seems weird didn't. that they'd be like, "Well, that guy died." Yeah. So what? You know, unless they knew him or knew something about him and thought, "Ah, oh, you know what." He died because he did it wrong. He did it on the wrong We're day. We're going to do it right. We know the right day. You know? We know when they're coming. It's so weird. I mean, there's so many things. There's so many things that could be. And I still think like it's it's possible to have all been some elaborate like, you know, murder plan. But it seems so it seemed for that to have been the only reason yeah. uh, behind this, like for that to be the solution. That seems like a awfully long walk for a very short drink of water. I mean, why not just murder the men, take their fucking money? I mean, you could tell them anything. Like, you'd be like, hey, I got some electronics parts for you. Come and meet me. Here's some really rare ones. Then you kill them and take their money. Right. Why, why go through all this trouble of scamming them into thinking that because that's it. It's harder to it's harder to scam people. The harder the story is to believe, I, I guess. I mean, you know, maybe I'm thinking from my own point of view, like mm-hmm. I'm not in a million years. Would I be like, um, I think their wives did it. Yeah, I think the wives knew that they were part of this group and they were doing all this. And one of them, they were like really mad at them, maybe cheating. I don't know, whatever (laughs) it is. And they knew that they would they started it just to see how dumb they were. And they just were like, let's just keep doing it. Let's see if they'll actually kill themselves. And then they did. Did they experiment on this Hermes guy four years earlier? No, I think that they used that as their inspiration. Well, then why the hell was Hermes doing I don't know. He was just, maybe he was just a crazy person. Well, I mean, but they used, <laughs> but that would give them, you know, plausible deniability. I guess, but this is 1966 in Brazil. Yeah. A couple of women 
hitching on a bus like people would know. No, I'm not saying that they did. They were there. I think that they orchestrated it. I think that they got these guys to take the pills and had like cyanide pills or whatever. I think that they. Wow. Yeah. And then the money was stolen. I mean, that's that's this is what I think happened. I mean, I'm convinced of it. Maybe because it seems like a scam. It seems like they were scammed out of the money. And or just it was they whatever they did, they believed something that wasn't true. Yes. A hundred percent. You have to remember giving 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 tangling up that thread a little bit is the fact that we have eyewitnesses that saw a UFO crash into the ocean. Right. The night of the explosion on uh, Espirito Santos Beach. But who, who was it? How many witnesses was it? Several. They, I didn't get the exact okay. number, but like there were a lot of fishermen. It it's a fisher. It's a uh, fisherman's area. Mm-hmm. It's a gig economy and right. uh, or was and may still be for all I know. But right. like a okay. lot of fishermen saw it. It was a big deal. Right. So the explosion happened. And it's it's hard to think of. a. I mean, the explosion. In the movie. <laughs> that I'm writing in my head about this. That happens. And uh and maybe it's something that's explainable. Like maybe there was a plane that crashed or something, but everybody thought they saw a UFO, something in the water, and they just used it. Maybe. It was just like I a mean, happy maybe. accident. All this did happen a couple of months before they set out for Vietnam Hill. You know, in my movie. Mm-hmm. The machine worked, but the wives are the ones that built it. And yeah. they thought that Cruz and Viana were going to take Ooh. all the credit for it. And they're Ooh, like, fuck yeah. it. So we use that to build a fake story based on a real thing. <gasps> the, this is what happened. So they, <laughs> the wives built it. Yes, the wives built it. And then the men fucked it up because they were communicating, right? And then the men fucked it up. And that's why it exploded because of what they did. And it killed their alien friends because it crashed them in the ocean. And they're like, okay, yes. we got to get our revenge. Yeah. And to be fair, it could be like, a couple of other people, not the wives, but I just really like. I'm that not angle. even sure that those men, were, the men, were married. Uh, in our movie, they were. Remember. In our movie, <laughs> and and yeah, it was. That's what. Yeah, so it was. Yes, it was a UFO. Okay. But the women had been connect communicating with them. The that way, we satisfy out. the skeptics and the believers. Mm-hmm. There's something for everyone here. I love it. That's right. It's but great. it's a weird mystery, and I want to do some more digging to see if there were any more deaths like that, because the only yeah. one... I started digging, and I'd heard of... I've never heard of the story before no. in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's just a weird, like, murder, it sounds like, or in at least... In my memory, or, there's something about... Like, what I thought it was, was something about people with gas masks walking um, around, but I can't place where that is. Are you thinking of the episode of Doctor Who, where everyone, like, is getting resurrected by these little uh little machine little nano machines but they 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 kind of misread the original and so now they all they all come back with gas masks gas masks asking where's my mommy or it, are you my mommy it could be but i feel like that was something else uh, but maybe not but yeah but no just okay. little uh little lead masks that's, that's a similar to similar to um uh, tanning salon mask. yeah it's crazy right that is really yeah Oh, speaking of pronunciations, because I know I probably put a lot of those. I have to. uh, Several people have pointed out. Yes. And I'm very grateful for it that in the episode, the Skinwalker Ranch episode, I refer to the area of Utah as the uh, Unita Basin. It is actually pronounced the Uinta Basin. The Uinta. The Uinta. Not the Unita. I, 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 in reading it, I was weirdly replaced. I was, the N and the I were switching places. Oh, gotcha. The Unita. And it's the Uinta Basin. So sorry, everyone. Sorry. 
It's as far right. as I know. Well, you know, the Gormans, who the story was about, they, they had a pseudonym. So maybe I was using, I was letting the, the Uinta Basin have a pseudonym <laughs> to, to protect the innocent. Fair. I think that's fair. Why not? <laughs> But yeah, wow. thanks for letting us know. I appreciate that, yeah. guys. But yes, yes, I, I am, I'm, I'll own that mistake. I just got too right. into the story and was we like, it's pronounced. Too. We just, it's, you know, we, we're not going to pronounce everything correctly all the time. I will almost so, never. You know, <laughs> sometimes, you know, we'll do corrections, but sometimes it's just like, I did my best, you guys. I, I found you best. really good stories. Yeah. And there's uh, some of the Skinwalker Ranch stuff. There was a couple of people that were listing things like, hey, there's some more to it. I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, there's so much more. It's there's like still active yeah. for the most part. So yeah. even though that uh, NIDS people aren't there anymore. But yeah. So anyway, yeah. that was that was the that was That's my story this story. week. Yeah. I, I wonder it. if those guys will come back in another life and have an aversion to masks. masks. <laughs> yeah. Or pills. Or electronics. Mm. <laughs> or wives. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, all right. Thank you. And thank yeah. you everyone for listening. Yes. Um, check out ghoulintentions.com. <laughs> uh, follow podcasts. Subscribe where you can subscribe. Um, Go to the store to check out things to buy things if you want. Buy. Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm, follow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm stories send them in um we're we're, we're simplifying we're we're parsing all this down to like just telegram yeah right (laughs) y'all know what to do listen bye if you want uh (laughs) submit submit stories do the things tell us the stuff if you have ghost stories um or any like reincarnation stories holy shit any paranormal stories at this point yeah yeah we're delving into all of it all of it all of it it. ufos sightings so good yeah are you ready for your quote yes great let me find it. <laughs> Are you ready for your quote? I am almost quite ready for my Are quote. You ready? ready for it now. Okay. I'm just one stomach flu away from my goal weight. <laughs> oh, I know it. I know it, but I can't think of where it's from. God damn it, I'm so terrible at this. Do you want me to give you the actor? Yes. Emily Blunt. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh uh, fuck, of course I know it. it, it Meryl Streep. Uh, uh, you, you, the fucking demo wears Prada. Yes. You got it. Thank you. Thank, Finally. Oh, I made it, guys. I made it. So A rare win. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm proud of me, too. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's a great line, too. Yeah. It's a great line. It's, it's a terrible mentality. <laughs> yeah, but it's a but funny it's a great line. line. <laughs> Such a great line. Yeah, okay. Well, that's it. That was a fast end. Yeah, just, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I like it. it. We got I this down. Sorry for making anyone cry. No, you're not. You, Michael. Liar. I am. I didn't. I didn't. I thought Don't I would be, be sorry strong. for making me feel something. That's right. Feelings. It's art. Feelings are good. That's right. Feelings are good. Feel your feelings. Yeah. I can feel it as long as I'm feeling them vicariously. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. Right. If it's, if it's a sad feeling, if it's a negative emotion, I just want to feel it vicariously. Can we, like, <laughs> no, like, can we have that deal? Okay. I think that's you. fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. All right. All right. Thanks well, thanks again. for listening, everyone. And remember, it's, it's okay, okay to sleep, sleep with, with the, the lights, lights on. on.